Hello, and welcome to the first lesson of our study in First and Second Peter. My name is Melanie Rayner, and I'm the ministry director at Christ Presbyterian Church in Cool Springs, and I'm delighted to be here for the first week in this study. This study is called Now You Are God's People, a reference that we'll unpack in a little bit, but we wrote and designed this study to pair with the sermon series that we just began as a church, which is called A Place to Belong, Jesus and His People in the Book of Acts. In the sermon series this fall, we'll be looking at the first eight chapters of Acts, which focus on Peter's ministry after the ascension of Jesus, when he returned to heaven after his death and resurrection. And so when we were praying and thinking about what to study in groups this fall, it seemed like a natural extension of the sermon series to look at Peter's two letters, in which he sums up his most important lessons for the early church. Across these two books, Peter answers the question, what does it mean to be God's people? Which is a question that feels particularly pertinent today. What does it mean to belong to God? to be a citizen of heaven first, not our earthly country, to suffer or to struggle as part of the family of God, to live lives of kingdom significance, even when it costs us relationally or financially, to follow scripture, even when it stands in stark contrast to the current whims of our culture. The thing about all these questions is that Peter had to answer all of them with his life, working out as a first-generation Christian what it meant to follow Jesus. It's why before we study First and Second Peter, we're going to spend some time studying Peter, taking a look at how his life and ministry were shaped by his friendship with Jesus. R.C. Sproul wrote, The Apostle Peter, one of the most fascinating characters of the New Testament, Peter the impetuous, Peter the bold, the one at Caesarea Philippi who made the great confession, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The big fisherman who gave his life for being a fisher of men. This is the same Peter who said he would follow Jesus to the death. And when Jesus told him that he would deny him three times, Peter protested with all his might, only to prove Jesus's prophecy accurately. This was the one who vacillated but nevertheless, over the course of the early church history, did become the rock, a leader who remained faithful to Jesus until his death. Peter was far from perfect, but Jesus held on to him. Peter denied. Peter strayed. Peter was afraid. I know those are all verbs that could be applied to me multiple times a week. And yet, because Peter was chosen by God and saved by Jesus, and sealed for salvation by the Holy Spirit, Peter was able to live as a person of God, not on his own strength, nor intelligence, nor passion, but because God chose him. I think it's important that we call this out and remember it. Let it be the lens that we read about Peter through. None of this is more is because Peter was more than an ordinary sinner a sinner saved by the overwhelming grace of God. In fact, at the beginning of his first letter, Peter writes of those who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, which Peter himself experienced. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him 
who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When God calls you, you become his. You become part of his people and nothing can change that. It's a simple thing to say, but a very hard thing to believe. And as we travel together through First and Second Peter, we'll see the very real challenges that pop up in this life. Various trials, slander, injustice, evil, suffering, temptations of sensuality and drunkenness and idolatry, pride, corruption, false teachers, greed. Those are all specific examples that we're going to read about in this study. In Peter's life, in fact, in many of the narrative passages you'll read this week, you'll see Peter face all kinds of challenges like those that we just listed. First, Jesus called him to leave his livelihood, his work, which was his stability and his future, to follow Jesus from a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. And Peter accepted the call. When Peter realized that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, and he proclaimed it, Jesus reminded him that Peter did not come to that conclusion on his own. He did not hear it from flesh and blood, but Jesus told him that his father in heaven revealed it to Peter. Peter's faith was a gift from God the Father. And you'll see this theme repeated time and time again in Peter's letters. And it's a helpful reminder for us too. We didn't stumble on our faith or fit together the pieces of some cosmic puzzle ourselves. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the gospel of Christ is a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory, these things that God has revealed to us through the Spirit. When I was younger, and now, a lot of the time, I think it's all on me to do the right things, to feel the right feelings in worship, or to understand the right passages in the Bible. It's up to me to unlock the mystery of faith, like I was Encyclopedia Brown and this is my case to solve. If I could just put the clues together, but this isn't how it works. And it's certainly not what Peter, Paul, or any of the other apostles experienced. Faith is a gift. We are called into the family of God. We don't have to figure out a way in on our own. We also know that Peter denied Jesus the night of the crucifixion. Jesus told him he would, but Peter promised he wouldn't. He didn't believe that he was a person capable of denying Jesus, and yet he was. We all are. We all do. Peter did it three times. But here again, we see in Peter's life what it means to be the people of God. That Jesus didn't give up on us. He didn't give up on Peter. I love the detail you'll read that Peter and Jesus were eating breakfast together after the resurrection. And Jesus doesn't fuss or guilt or heap shame upon Peter. He simply asks, Peter, do you love me? Is there a more powerful question that is on record anywhere? Jesus asking quietly over breakfast, do you love me? Peter's life shows us over and over again that being a person of God doesn't mean doing it all right. It means messing up a lot, getting tripped up by temptation and false teachers. It means suffering, being angry at God, wrestling through the brokenness of a world that greets us at every turn. It means realizing over and over again 
that Jesus is enough, that we have what we need, that simply loving Jesus is enough because of how much Jesus loves us. There are a lot of difficult passages in First and Second Peter that we'll read together over the next two months. And there can be a lot of pressure to read these sorts of lessons and feel the weight of them. We're supposed to resist temptation, identify and flee false teachers, stay strong in the face of suffering, keep our faith no matter what comes. And we are called to do those things because there is a cost and a commitment to being part of God's people. There is a cost, there is a commitment, but there's also a covenant, which means that we are in a relationship with God, who promises to uphold and sustain us in faith as his people. The covenant that God makes with us blends his law and his love. He calls us to live holy, often hard lives. But because of his love, Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, living the life that we cannot live. 1 Peter 2 actually gives us a beautiful summary of that love, of the covenant, and how it gives us what we need to live our lives as the people of God. In verses 21 through 24, Peter writes, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. This is the promise that provides the foundation for everything Peter says in these books. And it is the promise that holds us as the people of God. Once we were not a people, but now we are his people. Praise be to God. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to learn from your servant, Peter, from the apostles' words. God, I just pray for every person who's engaging in this study that you would open their eyes to new truths and that they would find new sustenance in your words through the words of Peter, the apostle. We're so thankful for the opportunity to study the word and to have the word study us and transform us as we become and strive to be the people of God. Amen.